Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. Do you know someone who just had COVID-19 or heard about somebody who has it, like First Lady Jill Biden? A small wave of coronavirus infections has been rolling across the country, and it's showing up here in Minnesota. The outbreak isn't as large as past surges, but it's a reminder that COVID is still with us heading into fall. And that means vaccines. In the next couple of months, actually a couple of weeks, we'll be asked to get a brand new COVID-19 vaccine, along with shots for influenza and RSV, which is a common respiratory virus that can be serious for infants and older adults. The hope is that widespread vaccination will head off another triple-demic like we had last winter. But vaccine fatigue is real. Lots of people are flat out tired of getting yet another shot. So this hour, I want to talk about this. We're talking about the latest wave of COVID cases and how we should approach vaccines this fall, both for ourselves and our loved ones. And as I talk with a vaccine expert and a nurse practitioner, I want to hear from you too. Do you plan to get the next COVID-19 booster when it's available? Why or why not? What questions do you have about COVID, the flu, and RSV shots. And what do you want to know about how vaccines work, how they prevent disease and any risk they pose? The phone lines are open. You can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000. You can also call us at 800-242-2828. Let me introduce you to the experts who will handle your questions and mine this hour. We have with us Dr. Greg Polin, an infectious disease expert and an internal medicine physician at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. He's also the founder and director of the Mayo Vaccine Research Group and editor-in-chief of the medical journal Vaccine. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Poland. Thank you, Angela. Good to be with you again. Good morning. And here with me in the studio is Shayanga Beecher, a pediatric nurse practitioner with Hennepin Healthcare. She's also the medical director of the Mobile Pediatric Clinic there, which runs out of a van and is, has provided thousands of vaccines against COVID-19 and childhood diseases, along with other health care. So glad you could join us and, and be here with me in the studio, uh, Shayanga. Good morning. Thanks for having me here. Dr. Poland, um, we know COVID is on the rise here in the Twin Cities, uh, largely because wastewater surveillance uh, provides evidence of that. And there's also been an increase in hospitalizations due to COVID. So how do you describe uh, what is going on here, doctor, and how concerned we should be? Well, I definitely think we should be concerned. We should um, be aware, have situational awareness. You know, the biggest problem, I think, Angela, is that We are fatigued not only of the vaccine, but of the pandemic. Mm. And as a result, mentally, we we, we just we already have a large what psychologists would call pool of worry. And this is one that we feel like we can kind of shove to the side. But that's not what the virus is doing. The virus uh, is going to intermittently surge, mutate, cause new cases in a population that has now not up to date on boosters, not distancing, and not wearing masks. And as a result, when you look over the last couple of weeks in the U.S., and this may surprise people, hospitalizations for COVID are up almost 20%, and deaths due to COVID are up about 17%. 
But doctor, I have to tell you, I, I understand the vaccine fatigue. I, I, you know, as we were working on this show, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just the messenger. I don't even want to talk about this, but we need to talk about this. So I think that's a conversation a lot of people are having. Like, I want to know, but I don't want to know because I don't want to do because I just don't want to deal with this anymore. Is that a common reaction? Exactly. That's what I mean by, you know, our pool of attention or our pool of worry. There's so many things. Life is complicated today. And this is one more thing that people don't want to have to deal with. But that's a mistake. I mean, when you look at it, compared to 2019, one out of every 279 Americans is now dead of COVID, a disease we can prevent with vaccines and masks. Shayanga, uh, last year heading into fall, we got hit with an early flu season and a bad season of RSV and COVID. Are, are you thinking about or have some concerns about another uh, triple-demic, as they're calling it, this year? Um, it's hard to say because we're still starting in the season. It's the, I would say August wasn't as busy as it was last August, but that's mm-hmm. not to say we're out of the woods. I think um, given what Dr. Poland says about our immunization rates and this fatigue, my concerns are that we might be hit with another respiratory surge, which means kids in and out of school because they're they're sick, mm-hmm. parents in and out of work because they're caring for their kids, and really busy um, hospital and clinics with waiting rooms full right. of patients. The disruption uh, to our lives that, you know, getting sick uh, causes is is real. But are you also seeing this vaccine fatigue? People are like, no. <laughs> We don't want to talk about this. We don't want to deal with it. Are you seeing that as well? I'm seeing some vaccine fatigue. And to be fair, this is a a time where we had back-to-back new vaccines. We had not just the COVID vaccine and the various rollouts, depending on your age, but now we have an RSV vaccine, whereas previously there was a a gap in time where there were no new vaccines. It was just routine. You get your childhood immunizations, you get your annual flu shot, and that's all we heard about in the news. But now it's inundating our, our lives, and I think some of us are tired of it. Hmm. So one of the big headlines um, happening right now that we see a lot, uh, Dr. Poland, has to do with the new booster, a new COVID-19 vaccine coming out in uh, maybe days, sometime maybe in September, it sounds like. Uh, How is this new uh, vaccine different from the previous ones, Dr. Poland? So this vaccine, much like the other ones, will be based on a variant of COVID-19. This was selected back in June, and the predominant variant then was XBB 1.5. But COVID keeps changing right under our noses, no pun intended. (laughs) And uh, what's circulating now is not XBB 1.5. It's EG5. It's FL 1.5.1 and XBB 1.5. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't even keep up with the names of these things. Okay, so I I know it's a it's a potpourri of these different variants. So what does this mean? Well, for the most part, all of these variants are Omicron descendants. Think of them as cousins of Omicron. And the new variant vaccine or booster is also a cousin of Omicron. So what what's the bottom line of what I expect? I expect that this new booster absolutely will have a quantifiable decrease in deaths and severe disease. What's an open question is how effective will it be against asymptomatic infection or mild or maybe even moderate infection? 
But if you have a healthy underlying immune system and you get this booster, I think you will not end up in the hospital. You will not end up on a mechanical ventilator and you won't die. And and that is the, the, the motivating factor to get whatever new booster or vaccine that's available, even if it's necessarily not going to uh, attack the specific variant that you may get. Exactly. It, it's to prevent the severe end of the spectrum and two other things, to prevent complications. And let's not forget long COVID, something that's having, uh, in fact, has been called a mass disabling event. Long COVID is a real phenomenon. People are really suffering from this. All right, let's, and you let's, can get re- long COVID. let's revisit long COVID uh, because okay. I'm trying to remember what it is. And that's kind of part of the problem, yeah. right? Memory loss and uh, brain fog, right? That's long COVID, correct? Yeah, those are some of the symptoms. Fatigue is a common one. Uh, symptoms of what we call a small fiber neuropathy, meaning people have tingling and a feeling like uh, vibration inside their body. And there's just abdominal pain. There's a host of symptoms that can occur. And these symptoms are sufficient oftentimes where people can't work. Mm -hmm. They can't do what they love doing. It interferes with family. It has a very real economic effect for a, a number of people. So it's a serious complication of COVID that can be, not entirely prevented, but dramatically reduced in risk by getting uh, the the variant boosters, and if you get COVID, in getting treated for it. And so exactly when, because I've seen a couple of things, it seems like September is the month. I've read that that potentially uh, the upcoming COVID-19 booster could be available in the U.S. as soon as as next week, September 13th. Um, I've heard October. What are you hearing, Dr. Poland? Yeah, I, I think we'll see... Um, the first one available, Moderna, probably September 13th or 14th, and then Pfizer and Novavax following sometime after that. So exactly right, Angela. I think sometime uh, next week-ish, we'll start to see the rollout. And who gets it first? Uh, what will be the CDC recommendations, or will we see some recommendations as to who can get it first? So uh, the ACIP will meet on September, actually FDA will meet September 12th, probably the very next day. Mm -hmm. CDC will meet and those uh, recommendations will follow and then the vaccine will roll out. Uh, Obviously, the people who are most at risk of being hospitalized or dying, the immunocompromised and people over the age of 65. And uh, anything that, that you um, have noticed, um, Shayanga, uh, about long COVID, long COVID, suff- uh, people who suffer from it are still suffering. In some cases, this has been going on for two or three years from them. Just in your personal circle of friends, have you seen people with talk about this? I've had some friends um, and colleagues who have had long COVID. I've also seen a couple of older adolescents that have had the follow up from COVID. Um, and it's not just the um, you know, inability to carry on with your daily functions is also all those follow-up visits and monitoring your case and c- engaging with healthcare providers for more than just that one visit, but long-term, Teenagers. and that's time-consuming. Right, and so, and, and they notice it because it affects their ability to focus in school? or Fatigue, fatigue. Um, fatigue the aches, the tingling. Right, uh, and so are you getting folks asking you questions about 
Is there or when will there be a booster who who really want it and want to know when they can get it? There's certainly families that have immunocompromised relatives within the household or that are caregiving for the the children. Um, So there are families that are keen. And when is this next one going to be available? And when can I protect my kids, my family, my community? Mm. All right. I have a lot of questions here. Let's get some of our listeners into the conversation. We're talking about vaccines and what shots we should consider this fall and winter to protect ourselves from the flu, from COVID and from RSV. So I want to know, do you plan to get the next COVID booster uh, when it's available, uh, probably soon? Why or why not? And what questions do you have about COVID, the flu? And RSV shots, what do you know about what I want to know about how vaccines work and how they prevent disease and any risks that they may pose? Call us at 651-227-6000 or you can call us at 800-242-2828. Let's talk talk to a listener uh, calling in from Blaine right now. This is Bonita on the line. Good morning, Bonita. What do you want to ask or tell us about COVID? Uh, Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you well. Go ahead, Bonita. Okay. Um, I have gotten all the COVID shots and the bo- I'm 78 years old. Mm-hmm. I've gotten all the COVID shots and the boosters, um, and I plan to get the one that's coming out in mid-September. Uh, I have a son in Savannah, Georgia, that was very ill with COVID when it first came out, and his uh, executive vice president of his company died of COVID. I know five people from Florida that were had COVID. Two were hospitalized, blessings that they all lived. And um, I come from vaccines. I very well remember when polio was there. I remember my mother being so afraid that we were going to get polio. I knew kids that did get polio. Um, lived right down the apartment hall from us, and this was when I was five. This would have been 19. So, Benita, you're very much in favor of getting whatever booster is available when you can get it. It, it, it saves lives. I don't think I'd be 78 years old. If I hadn't, and I've even gotten the booster that you get to the shots you got when you were kids. I guess I got that when I was 50-something. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't see any reason to not get vaccines. All right. That's Bonita and Blaine. What do you hear and what she's expressing, Dr. Poland? Because many people have been just very personally affected by COVID. No question about it. Um, I can't remember the exact statistic, but uh, it's uh, a surprising number of children and adolescents who have lost a primary caregiver or wage earner in their family due to COVID. Um, We don't always hear about those things. And so we assume, you know, it's not that big of a deal. This is a huge deal. Like I say, one out of every 279 Americans dead of this disease. Benita's exactly right. I, I can remember my mother not letting us go to the public pools because they were afraid of polio. Today's parents have not, absent this COVID pandemic, have not seen the epidemics of disabling and life-taking and robbing diseases that we and our parents and grandparents. And so there tends to be a lot of hesitancy or fear about vaccines rather than the fear of the disease. Let's take um, another. Oh, let's. Uh, I'm sorry, Shayanka. You want to say something more about what he just uh, added there? I think to um, even to Benita's point that mm-hmm. we are maybe one to several generations now from diseases being present in our community, and to the benefit of vaccines, they're really good at what they do, and so we have lots. Some people that are not familiar with diseases, so it's hard to convince folks that this could be life-saving and it could 
help your child's health because we haven't seen those diseases before. So when engaging with younger families or younger individuals, um, sometimes it helps to talk in the reality that is in their network, loss of time from work, what it means to stay home with a sick kid, um, whether they're in quarantine or because they have a fever or because they're not severely ill, but moderately ill enough that you need to take time off of work. Mm. And, you know, if we look at some of um, the, the numbers uh, across the state that, that we have access to, um, if you look at, at how we're doing with COVID vaccinations, um, August numbers uh, from the um, health department, the state health department, show that uh, fewer than a third of Minnesotans uh, over the age of 16 are up to date uh, with the recommended COVID vaccines. Again, fewer than a third of Minnesotans over the age of 16 are up to date with the recommended COVID vaccines. And that means only one in three older teenagers and adults are fully vaccinated. The rate's better for uh, people who are older. More than two-thirds of Minnesotans over the age of 65 are fully vaccinated. So that's two out of every three uh older adults. And then we also know that children are the least likely to be vaccinated for COVID. And and what have you seen um, in working with families with young children uh, as they talk about COVID, Shayanga? I think especially with children, we have a whole bunch of vaccines that kids need to be up to date, um, especially between that first and second year of life. We're, we're giving them their routine immunizations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a lot to ask them to consider not just a flu shot, but a COVID shot as well. Um, I think the other part is people don't think that kids can get sick or severely sick or hospitalized with COVID. And that's not true. We have seen kids. We have seen them in inpatient wards with severe COVID infections. Um, the challenge, I think, will be going forward to include COVID as a part of our routine immunizations like we have flu and to anticipate that every year there will be a, a, mm-hmm. a vaccine that's better equipped to deal with a circulating strain. And Dr. Poland, what do you think of those um, numbers when we look at how Minnesota is doing? Yeah, it's really unfortunate, uh, particularly as as we heard uh, at the top of the hour, our, our state MM. Uh, our immunization rate is really low. And these are routine immunizations. You know, when you look at COVID in children, um, and if you look at people younger than age five over the last couple of years of the pandemic, 45,000 children under the age of five were hospitalized COVID. One out of four of them that were hospitalized ended up in the ICU, and about a 1,000 of them died. Now, that's preventable. Uh, we give vaccines against diseases to prevent death and complications with far less morbidity and mortality. For example, before there was a vaccine, uh, we had maybe 100 children a year die of chickenpox. Well, chickenpox is a routine vaccine. We don't even think about it mm-hmm. now. We just routinely administer it. And in fact, it reminds me, I just want to uh, compliment Shayanga. There's a lot of people who talk about what should be done and, and produce good in the world. Shayong is doing it. She's out there in areas that a lot of Minnesotans haven't even seen, desperate areas sometimes of poverty. And she's there with a van giving these kids immunizations and talking to their parents about the importance of this. So 
uh, just a moment to congratulate her and thank her for what she's <laughs> doing you, for Minnesotans. Yeah, let's talk more about that mobile pediatric uh, clinic. Uh, it is just a van, right? And uh, <laughs> it, it it moves through communities. Why was it started, um, uh, Shayanga? So this uh, mobile unit began in May of 2020. So imagine back to early pandemic days, mm. shelter in place orders. Uh, we were limiting capacity in clinic so that we couldn't even see your full family. We could only see one sibling at a time. And people were really nervous about coming into clinic, let alone even going to the grocery store. Right. Um, and we recognized that there was going to be a precipitous drop in childhood immunization rates. And the last thing that we wanted in this pandemic was to have a measles outbreak in the middle of a, a pandemic. Um, so we got our team together. We put the cart before the horse, so to speak. And we got out into the community and helped get kids up to date on their immunizations. Um, since then, we've... Real- what was the response? That, uh, Fantastic. A, a van I mean, okay, has first up? of all, yeah. Like, like, uh, really? Uh, I'm uh, supposed to take my baby in there and you're going to put a, 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 a white needle. van and right. give your kid a needle in the back of this white van? Uh-huh. A little bit sketchy. Yeah. But really impactful. We could deliver everything to your doorstep. Why not healthcare? And for some families, we mm. recognized soon that these barriers to accessing care was not pandemic specific. Um, some of them were always there and just exacerbated by the pandemic now. And families actually appreciated the service. And sometimes it's not vaccine hesitancy. It's not vaccine fatigue. It's just vaccine access. Where can I get it? When can I get it? If I'm a single parent working multiple jobs, caring for my elderly and my kids, multiple kids, how do I find time to get down to a clinic? Mm-hmm. And and will we see the mobile pediatric uh, clinic, it's still moving through communities. It's rolling around, yeah. Yeah, it's still going around. Still, <laughs> Yeah, we people still... uh, provide immunizations, uh, well-child checks inside the mobile unit. We also partner with schools and Head Start centers. So instead of in the mobile unit, we will uh, set up shop in a school gymnasium, the basement of a place of worship, and help uh, students get caught up in their immunizations. And this is through Hennepin Healthcare. So what's Correct. the coverage area? Is it just Hennepin County? Nope. Uh, we try to stay within 20-mile radius of our hospital mm-hmm. campus, but we can and go. Minneapolis. Yeah. Minneapolis, St. Paul, mm-hmm. um, metro area. Let's take a, another phone call from a listener as we talk about what we need to know about uh, viruses and vaccines. 651-227-6000 is the number to call. Uh, in Cloquet, Janet is on the phone. Good morning, Janet. Thank you for, for waiting. What do you want to ask or share? Uh, good morning. I have a few questions about the RSV vaccine. Oh, good. Um, mm-hmm. First question is whether it's a one-time vaccine. You were just talking about chickenpox, polio whether it's likely to be a one-time vaccine or a yearly uh, booster situation. And then also, um, I've been told by my physician that RSV was you know, definitely more prevalent last year because of the triple-demic and, um, and, and so therefore it was more serious for older adults, but that um, from their perspective, um, a person in their late 60s without an underlying health condition would not necessarily need it and that it has perhaps been overmarketed. So I'd like to hear from the experts what they think about that. All right. Thank you, uh, Janet. And Cloquet wants to know about RSV. So Dr. Poland, first, tell us about this respiratory illness. Um, I remember my, my son was a premature baby and, and he uh, had RSV shots. I had never heard of it uh, until he, you know, he was born 21 years ago. Uh, what is RSV? Yeah, so RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus. It's a respiratory illness, usually fall time, much like influenza or the other cold viruses. 
And Janet's right. Oftentimes, at least among healthy people, it's mild to asymptomatic. But about 7% of older adults get RSV each year. And among uh, uh, those, when you look at uh, the risks, about 60 to 120,000 are hospitalized each year and upwards of about 10,000 Americans who are over the age of 60, 65 die from RSV. So it's one of those things that's sort of the tip of the iceberg. The great majority of cases in otherwise normal people are mild and annoying, but you might spread it to other people. And the tip of the iceberg is more severe disease. You don't get to pick where on the iceberg your case is going to be. And that's why we take it so seriously. Um, there, Janet is right in that there are two new vaccines that have been approved for RSV, one made by GSK and one made by um, Pfizer, both of them about 90 plus percent effective in preventing severe disease. Again, it's why we give flu vaccine. It's why we give RSV or COVID. We can't prevent mild disease very well. These vaccines are designed to prevent the severe spectrum of disease and the complications of those infections. So who should should get an RSV um, shot then? Is it Anybody over 65 or what age? What's your recommendation of who should get it? So what the CDC recommended is something interesting called shared clinical decision-making for people 60 and older. Mm. It basically means that we as healthcare providers should talk to our patients about what RSV is. A lot of physicians don't understand it well. Um, much of the lay public has never heard of it before, talk to them about the risks and the benefits of the vaccine. There are always risks with a vaccine, with anything that we ever give a patient. There's always some level of risk. So shared decision-making seeks Mm -hmm. to find that point where the benefits exceed any possible risk. And uh, Janet's other question was, well, is it one dose or annual? Um, We're only two years into studying the vaccine in the public. So what we know is that it was very good at preventing severe disease the first year. No booster the second year. Its efficacy dropped a little bit. And this will be a three-year study. So we've got another year Mm -hmm. to go. I don't think it will be an annual. I think it will be something less than that. But what, we don't know yet. I want to talk about RSV in children, um, Shayanga. I have in my notes here um, that about 80,000 children ages 5 and younger are hospitalized with RSV each year. Uh, that's according to the CDC. And so uh, are you concerned about RSV heading into the fall? And what do you want parents to know? Yeah, I think um, I also work in the acute care clinic at Hennepin Healthcare. And RSV is one of those things when you walk into a patient room, you catch your breath. Kids can get really sick, look really sick. Um, and I'm very thankful that there is a vaccine available. So La- the signs are like the b- breathing problems? That's breathing. Labored breathing. Yep. 
Um, and especially for the little ones, when it's already hard to breathe because they got tiny noses and tiny mouths, and now it's full of mucus, and they're breathing super fast. They're using their bellies to breathe. Their na- nostrils are flaring. Um, they may be dehydrated because it's hard to breathe and take a bottle at the same time. So kids can get quite sick with RSV. Um, last year was particularly bad. We had a longer RSV season and a more, uh, let's say, virulent strain. And so if there's anything that we can do to protect it, one vaccine um, given from zero to eight months for infants, let's let's do it. And then up to what age? To uh, Up to five? Or so is it the, the youngest kids that the, are yeah, most it's at risk? Most are at risk. So they're looking at a vaccine, uh, or this one that's coming out is for infants younger than eight months given once. Uh, before or during the RSV season, and then for other kids between 8 and 19 months entering their second RSV season, and those kids might have underlying health conditions be preterm. And uh, we're going into a news break, but before that, I want to take one more phone call because we have a lot of people on the line. Uh, in St. Paul, let's hear from David. Uh, David, go ahead. What is your question and what do you want to tell us about uh, vaccines and viruses? Yeah, hey, thanks for taking my call. I had a couple points here. I just want to uh, say I'm a proponent of the vaccines, but I think um, I think there should be some incentives by either the government or employers to allow people to either get their children vaccinated or personally get vaccinated. If the vaccines affect you and you can't go to work because you're sorry, you have a headache, I've had that happen with my vaccines. So I either have to plan ahead and say I'm going to take a day off and use my personal time to do it, or I have to call in sick. So that would be a good thing. Also, insurance companies maybe give a discount or do something to incentivize people as well for reducing healthcare premiums or something for vaccinated. And one other quick point here is that people who aren't people that are exhausted are healthcare workers. And I'll tell you Mm -hmm. what, if we have another pandemic or we have even another surge of any type of um, more stress on the healthcare system, um, it's going to be, I just think about all the people that have to have hip replacements or knee replacements and things that had to get delayed because of, because of COVID. And I, mm-hmm. it, so I think people need to realize that too, as the healthcare workers are got decimated from that pandemic. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, David. Have we gotten better at, at providing some incentives or have workplaces done a better job of, of, of making sure people have the time off to, to get the, the, the vaccines that they need? Dr. Poland, what have you seen? Yes, uh, nationwide, I definitely have seen that. Um, some businesses in particular do provide incentives. For example, uh, one large computer manufacturer, I think, takes 100 or $150 off uh, their health care premium mm-hmm. if they get a flu shot, for example. Mm-hmm. So there are ways um, to nudge people toward better behaviors, whether it's in their health or their saving for retirement, whatever it is. And, and we should be doing those. And Shayanga, you have uh, three kids yourself. Like, how do you wrangle all of them up to go get get shots? Or I mean, it it, it takes some planning and it takes some planning and some ice cream afterwards. <laughs> uh, but it, it's a part of our routine, and I think um, it helps to have families in that mindset. You're going to get your new back to school haircut. You're going to get a new pair of sneakers, and guess what? We're going to get your flu and COVID shot this fall as well. Just like that. Just like simple that. declarative sentence. Boom, boom, boom. I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's head over to Hudson, Wisconsin and talk to Kelsey, who's on the phone. Good morning, Kelsey. What do you want to tell us or ask? Good morning. The thing I wanted to share is that for me, I see vaccines as just something that you do. I don't have any sense of vaccine fatigue for me or my two about-to-be-three young kids. We just get it done every single year. 
And then speaking as somebody who lost a sibling from something that was not preventable, we lost my oldest sister when she was five, very nearly lost another sister. My mom is also a cancer survivor. For me, if a vaccine can prevent death, serious illness, by even a fraction of a percent, it's always going to be worth it. I would never want to be in the position of asking myself, what if I had gotten my kid a shot? What if I had weighed the risks a little bit differently? Thank you. Kelsey there in Hudson. Kelsey, and I'm sorry for the losses that you have gone through in your family. Um, in Minneapolis, Jean is on the phone. Jean, what do you want to tell us as we talk about um, vaccines and, and viruses? Jean, uh, we can hear you. Go ahead. Jean? Okay, uh, I can't uh, hear Jean, so we'll go uh, to another question to Dr. Poland, and we'll get some more calls on. Dr. Poland, uh, you have a personal story here I want to share with everybody. I know that you had a reaction to a COVID-19 uh, a booster, uh, one of the vaccines, a side effect. Can, can you share with, uh, with everybody what happened to you? Sure, happy to. After my second dose of the monovalent vaccine, I developed what's called tinnitus, or ringing in the ears. Uh, not knowing whether it was associated or not, I got my first booster, if you will, my third dose of vaccine. And that dramatically worsened. And uh, I'm left with it today. I have constant ringing uh, in my ears. About 18,000 Americans have spontaneously reported that side effect to what's called VAERS, the uh, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And uh, we don't have any publications yet from CDC, but it's something that uh, needs to be uh, further researched to understand, is there a relationship? And if so, by what mechanism? So it, it's an illustration. Uh, many have said it's ironic that a vaccinologist gets a side effect. I, I don't think it's ironic. I mean, why should I be any different than, than anybody else? But it's a reminder, and I want to be very uh, fair and honest and clear here. Anything man-made has a risk of side effects, whether it's a car we drive or a food we eat or a medicine we take. And the key is not, can you make something risk-free? That has never existed. It's, do the benefits exceed the risks? And I think where people get really hung up sometime is over the uh, theoretical risk to them versus the real palpable danger to them of not getting a vaccine. So given what you've gone through, you said you noticed the symptoms, the, the ringing in the ears after your second dose, but I guess you really weren't connecting the dots. But after the third dose, it got worse. So with that in mind, yes. uh, are you getting the new COVID-19 booster when it comes out this month? Yeah, I probably, for myself, in my situation, will not get an mRNA vaccine, but will get the Novavax, a different form of the COVID booster. So that's an option for people who have had side effects is to maybe do a different, a different type? Right. So there, there are three approved COVID vaccines in the U.S., one made by Pfizer. It's a little lower dose than the one made by Moderna. Both of those are what are called mRNA vaccines. And the Novavax is not mRNA. It's a, what's called a protein subunit uh, vaccine. So it actually has a bit of the spike protein, not the blueprint that is mRNA 
for the protein, but the actual protein itself with it paired with what we call an adjuvant, a, a chemical designed to stimulate the immune system. And Shayanga, as, as you talk with parents um, who are, are sitting with you as their kids get vaccinated, what concerns do they express around uh, vaccines and, you know, maybe side effects or is this, you know, this, this hesitancy or because they know that there have been side effects in a lot of people? What do people say? I think it would be um, naive of us in the medical profession to to dis- to not engage with families with their honest questions. And we know that not only are there social networks online, but there's social networks in your mom's group chat or your neighbor down the street or your auntie at the next family get together. And a lot of times the adverse effects or side effects um, spread more in social networking than the positive benefits of vaccines. I think it's absolutely okay to sit in the space with a patient and have this, what Dr. Pullen referenced as shared decision-making, what works for you in your case um, with your family, your child. Common things that I hear is that, gosh, the vaccine, the flu shot gave me the flu, or the vaccine made me really tired, really um, sick to my stomach, got me a fever, had aches, I missed work or my kid missed school because of these shots. Um, And I and now when I give vaccines, I say, guess what? You're going to be a little sore on your arm. You might get a fever. You might get um, some aches and pains. And that's expected. We want a little, like, hello, my immune system is working, response mm-hmm. to your body. And so and that's what we see in children. And often. that's what we see in children often, right? But it, it's a couple of days. It can be really with Tylenol ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've left out the flu shot, the little flu shot. We haven't talked about the flu just yet. So, uh, um, Shayanga, let's, let's start with that right now. What's the latest, latest advice about getting a flu shot? What, what do we know about the, the flu season that is, is it here? Is it coming? What's the deal? So I, I actually just looked at the um, data from the surveillance that the MDH puts out, and I believe that was last done on August 26th, and we have not yet seen flu. We have not yet seen RSV. Um, we're seeing rhinovirus and adenovirus, which are kind of common cold viruses. Um, with that said, we know that typically, in a typical year, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin tends to see peak or flu season starts between October to March, April. So we advise to get the flu shot um, September, October, but can be given as long as the virus is circulating. And then, you know, a lot of people are indifferent about the flu shot. Like, I'm going to get the flu anyway. It's not that bad. Um, or people get a flu shot and they still get the flu. So what do you say to folks about that? Uh, you can still get a milder version of the flu. It's not going to knock you off your feet for a couple of days. So you miss school, you miss work because you're caring for your kid, or it's not going to land you in the hospital. Only about 62% of Minnesota kids um, between six months to 17 years last year got the flu shot. And we know that a lot of flu outbreaks start in schools. So and when that takes you out of school for a week or two, you get real behind. It's yeah. very stressful. Very stressful for both the kid and for the parent. Right. Um, and a lot of questions um, have to do with... Can I can I get the flu shot, the RSV, the COVID booster all at one time? Uh, Dr. Poling, can I just line them up, give them to me all at one time? Is that advised or should you spread you, it out? You sure can. You, you absolutely can. Um, now, if you're if you're an older American and you're going to get the RSV vaccine, my personal preference with a compliant patient, that is somebody that I trust will come back and get their additional vaccines is to give the RSV vaccine separately, just because if they have any kind of a side effect, I want to be able to separate what caused what. 
And when you give all three at the same time, uh, then you don't necessarily know. Um, I will say that in the clinical studies, people who got flu and RSV vaccines at the same time had a slightly decreased antibody response to RSV. We don't know if it's clinically significant, but just an observation. Let's uh, bring in a written comment, uh, Dr. Poland. This is from Jean in in Minneapolis, who we weren't able to connect with well. Um, She says she's concerned that vaccines have preservatives preservatives in them that might be toxic, um, that she's heard specifically that there's a form of mercury used in vaccines as a preservative. And is is this a question? Is this a common concern among people who uh, don't choose to to get vaccinated? Yeah, let me divide it into two things. First of all, do vaccines have preservatives? Yes, they do, because they have to remain active. They have to remain sterile. It would be a disaster to not uh, do that. Are those preservatives uh, or excipients safe? Yes, they're tested heavily, not only in animals, but in adult humans. So we know that those are safe. The second part of the question is, what about mercury? Well, mercury isn't a part of childhood vaccines now. It is uh, a part of some of the multi-dose vials of vaccines because you need something to prevent any bacterial growth when you're putting a needle into a bottle five different times to draw doses of vaccine out. But uh, there's, there's no, if somebody is concerned about mercury, no reason to be, but if they are, um, there are mercury-free vaccines for every disease that we immunize against. Uh, a phone call from a listener in Minneapolis. Daisy is on the phone. Good morning, Daisy. What did you want to tell us or share? Hi, good morning. Um, I kind of have three questions. Um, Last year, we got in a little late to the doctor after my son got just like multiple really, really bad colds. He's a healthy nine-year-old and wound up with an inhaler, getting steroids. Um, I really trust his doctor. Also, around that time, I got COVID at Christmas. Um, I'm vaccinated and boosted. It's my second time getting covid Um, I'm 38, and I've gotten really sick each time, and I, like, never get sick. Um, My son consistently has tested negative for COVID. So when we went in in January with all these concerns, I asked about the COVID vaccine, um, and my doctor said, you know, it kind of makes no sense at this point. You've gotten COVID. Your son didn't get it. What we really need to be concerned with is RSV. So my first question is, should I get my nine-year-old son vaccinated for RSV? And then my following two questions. Okay, I don't think we can get to all of them. So let's let's start with that one. So she wants to know if her her son should be vaccinated for RSV. Yeah, unfortunately, Daisy, the vaccine is not approved for children of that age. Hmm. So it's for people 60 and older. And then there's a uh, monoclonal antibody, not really a vaccine, a monoclonal antibody for uh, younger infants, but not for children of, of your son's age, unfortunately. And Dr. Poland, remind us how many and what kind of COVID um, or, or how many COVID shots should a healthy adult 
uh, have had by now. What does it mean to be fully vaccinated? I, I pulled out my, my, my vaccination card the other day. I had to find it, right? Because no one really asks, asks for it anymore. And it looks like I've had five shots since March of 2021. But the most recent one was, was almost a year ago in November of 2022. Yeah. So what? You're a good Minnesotan, Angela. Did I do well? And, and then, but it's been a You did well. It's almost a yeah, year. You did everything. Yeah, and, you did everything you're supposed to be. And, and that's actually why. Um, w- both of us as your guests are talking about the importance of this. For most people, it has been that long. And remember that the benefit of these vaccines begins to wane or decrease after a handful of months. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of people now starting to become more and more susceptible, entering into the cooler weather. What is it in the Twin Cities? Like 68 degrees or so today. Yeah, I think it's like 64 right now. Yeah, staying more indoors. And, you know, that's why we have the uh, winter and fall respiratory virus season that we do. So that's the importance of, of getting these. So what's up to date? If you have never gotten a COVID vaccine, you need one dose. If you've had any number of COVID vaccines and even prior infection, you get one dose, this updated booster that's coming out. So it's easy now. All right. In the interest of time, I want to summarize some of the calls uh, that are on hold here. People want to know when. Uh, I remember last year I timed my booster for an international trip that I have. I have another international trip coming up in the middle of winter. Should I try to time when I get the booster, like maybe close to the holidays or how many weeks or months does it take for it to be fully effective? Any thoughts on that? Well, once, yeah, once you get your booster, it takes about 14 days before you're at the peak of your antibody response for all of these vaccines that we're talking about. So timing is a precarious thing because uh, how many patients I have seen who wanted to do that ended up getting the disease and were too sick to go on their, on, on their trip. Mm-hmm. So I would say anytime, you know, we're, we're fortunate right now in Minnesota, RSV Uh, and flu are not really present in the state. They will be in the next month or two, but they are uh, increasing dramatically in the southeast part and the northeast part of the U.S. It'll march its way here. So starting now is an ideal time to get these vaccines. And Shay uh, Yanga, in our last 30 seconds here, just a reminder, it's really an individual choice, but to talk to your personal doctor or, or nurse about what you and your family needs. Agree. I appreciate Dr. Poland's candor in describing his um, reaction to the COVID booster. And I find that there are several families out there, many families out there that either have it themselves or have uh, someone they know. And I think it's important to initiate that conversation as healthcare providers. Um, we don't expect you to always get the vaccine, but we do expect you to ask questions. And mm-hmm. we hope that even if a conversation is initiated at a healthcare visit, that conversation then continues through several healthcare visits. And I might not be the most trusted person, but I would love to partner with that person, whether it's my medical assistant or someone in the community. Starts by talking about it and asking questions. Thank you so much to our two guests and to our listeners today. We've been talking with Shay Yanga Beecher, a pediatric nurse practitioner with Hennepin Healthcare, and Dr. Greg Poland there at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Thank you, Dr. Poland. Thank you, Shay Yanga. We will talk to everybody again tomorrow morning at 9. This conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom. 
Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.